Good afternoon, listeners. This is Abby Miller back again to host another edition of Information's Crossroads podcast. I have Diana Parks with me, who I have been introduced electronically thus far to through the Women in Infrastructure Network. Diana, welcome to the show. Thank you. I will let you introduce yourself in a little more detail in a moment, but for anyone who doesn't know, Diana has a long history working in the infrastructure and project finance world and now runs her own firm called Parks Infra Solutions. Diana, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes, thank you, Abby, for the brief introduction. As you mentioned, I've recently opened my own firm after about 20 years of being in the legal field for the infrastructure industry in North America. I have been both in private practice at two large firms focusing on infrastructure and also took in-house positions as senior counsel and vice president to Bechtel Construction and Tudor Perini Construction Companies. So I have both experienced uh, representing public owners in private practice and also have a deep understanding of representing the private industry as well. So my practice now is both uh, representing public agencies and the private side on large infrastructure transactions around the country. Great. So today, in light of last week's announcement um, that the Transurban and Macquarie-led Accelerate Maryland partners were selected for the Capital Beltway project, Diana and I are going to talk a little bit about pre-development agreements, which is being used in this project. Through this process, the PDA process, um, it's expected to take at least a year, probably more than a year, and it's something that has largely, especially recently, been praised by the P3 world in hopes that the process prevents underbidding during the RFP phase and eventual cost overruns. Um, So, Diana, now that a preferred proponent has been selected, what do the next steps look like for the project in terms of developing this PDA? Well, um, as you said, they they just selected the preferred bidder last week. And by the terms of the RFP for this project, they will now spend their next few months developing the detailed pre-development agreement that will govern the pre-development process. And as you know and, and saw in the announcement, the preferred proposer here provided a cap on their pre-development fee, which was required in the RFP response. And they also offered the owner a development fee for basically getting the, the ultimate P3 project. So while the bids and the proposals that came in on the RFP for this provided quite a bit of detail as to what services and mechanisms the bidder would would utilize if they were selected as as the PDA partner. There's still a lot of work to be done in, in developing the detailed agreement. 
And from what I understand from the RFP and the news releases on this, the PDA is expected to go to the board for approval in April of this year. And then the PDA process, the actual services that will be performed under the PDA will be done in concert with the stakeholders over the next year to develop the actual design of the project and the best build alternative based on the environmental approvals and working closely with the multiple stakeholders involved in making the ultimate decision as to what this project will ultimately be. So Diana, you talked about some of the different stakeholders or how a lot of different stakeholders will be involved throughout the PDA process. In this scenario, who are some of those stakeholders and what's the power dynamic there between them and the consortium? Very good question. Uh, the In this particular project, you have Maryland DOT, Maryland State Highway Authority, and Maryland Transportation Authority, along with the required approval of the Board of Public Works. You also have FHWA oversight on this project, as well as multiple counties and municipalities. So that is quite a complex spaghetti bowl of public stakeholders that all have different interests and different goals, so to speak. Maryland DOT, their interests and goals are are to make sure the project is safely built and built in a a reasonably time-efficient, cost-effective manner. And as I understand it, the Maryland Transit Authority or Transportation Authority has to sign off on the mechanism of setting the toll rates. And so just those two major stakeholders alone have you know, not not necessarily opposing interest or goals, but certainly different goals. And in working with multiple agencies on other managed toll lanes before, uh, not necessarily a PDA, but just negotiating a straight concession agreement with proposed teams, you know, when you're working with a tolling authority and the authority that's going to own the roads, in my experience, there is a lot of times diverging views. And and so having the PDA partner at the table to have those candid discussions and developing with all the stakeholders and their, their various interests and in addressing those in advance of putting together the actual commercial terms that will govern the ultimate concession agreement, the 50-year concession agreement, will, will be very helpful. Otherwise, a lot of times, those agencies are working behind the scenes to develop those terms themselves and then just presenting them to the proposers to bid on. So having having this direct conversation with the the team that will ultimately be executing this and giving these stakeholders a time frame and a price and the long-term contract will hopefully be very beneficial to to the process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that um, 
that makes sense. And so uh, kind of to backtrack a little bit, previously you mentioned something about a development payment. What is that and why did the Accelerate Maryland partners, why would they have included it in their proposal? Um, Well, from what I understand, that was part of the financial proposal to the RFP that the owners took into account in evaluating the financial proposal and scoring it. And it was basically the willingness of the proposer to pay a development fee for the rights to the concession agreement. I did not see what, if any, um, the development fee the other proposers offered. But uh, from what I understand from the news release, the selected preferred proposer offered quite a generous development fee to the stakeholders. And that development fee presumably will be paid if they actually sign the 50-year concession agreement and um, are awarded that. And that would be expected, from what I understand, in late 2022. Right. That makes sense. Um, And so just to kind of go off of some of what we've been talking about a little, you mentioned that a lot of the work that is coming is some of the work that would have been done by stakeholders ahead of, or I guess ahead of the RFP process so that these proposers could give those answers during the RFP process in terms of design or price. What other than prior experiences, would these proposers be including in their technical and price proposals since so much work still has to be done? Yeah, that's that's really the tricky part of make of a successful PDA is getting a partner that is truly bringing value to the table and is not just buying their way into the project on conceptual design and conceptual pricing. Um, I I thought this RFP was drafted extremely well for a PDA, and I I think they came up with um, a lot of uh, very specific asks of, of the teams so that they could get a sense of each team's experience in PDAs, their local experience, their experience with tolling authorities and setting tolls. And it also went so far as to require the proposals to include a detailed vision, so to speak, in the proposals as to how each team would approach uh, competitive bids to, you know, in the long-term concession agreement and in the design finance and construct as well as the O&M. So while the proposals are conceptual in nature as, as, as you hit on and, you know, the work is, uh, is very fluid and conceptual until uh, a design solution has been approved. I think that, in this instance, the the RFP solicited enough detail from the teams that the owners got a very good sense of who their partners would be and how they would engage 
giving them a peace of mind that that they're hiring the best in the industry for for this particular project. Definitely, that makes sense. And then, and this is my last question, but we've kind of touched on this throughout, but I figured I would just go ahead and ask it as a flat out question. On a several billion dollar project like this, what is the explicit benefit of this PDA process? And why is this something that the Maryland DOT and the State Highway Administration would have decided to do for this project that they haven't done, considering they haven't done it for other projects, I guess? Well, essentially, going the route of a PDA means that the owners aren't doing the work ahead of time, like I referenced earlier, as far as choosing the design and engaging their own technical advisors to advance um, the the design to a point, usually to about 30%, to where then they would be able to articulate in an RFP um, proposal requirements for, for that particular build alternative and design. So, you know, it, it saves going through a PDA process, particularly for a very complicated project as such as this, and particularly when there's multiple alternatives or avenues you can take on the approach to the design and build, it does say, um, ultimately save time if the PDA um, works as it's intended and that the the PDA partner comes in and acts like acts as if they are you know the owners technical advisors that the owners would otherwise pay for in advance of the RFP and then solicit the proposals so it it just it saves a step um, and some time and typically the owner saves money, uh, significant money, and what it would otherwise pay a technical advisor on its side to develop these design alternatives and ideas and develop the technical provisions in the RFP. The PDA partner is essentially coming in and doing that in concert with the owner for the award of, of getting, getting the ultimate project. So it, it helps the owner in upfront costs, and it also helps, you know, the private side really likes PDAs because they don't have to put a hard competitive bid in. They, you know, they win the project on, on basically what they can offer for reduced or essentially free services to get the ultimate project. Definitely. That makes sense. Um, well, thank you so much, Diana, for um, joining us today and having this conversation with me. Uh, I think it'll be definitely very interesting over the next year, maybe more, to watch the PDA process unfold, I guess, at least in terms of how much we're clued into it. And I hope everyone listening enjoyed. Bye.